Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 all the way through to 21 is a fantastic prayer. It's a prayer that Paul prays for the churches around Ephesus. And there's a lot that we can learn through this prayer about how to pray and what to pray. Paul starts in verse 14 by saying, For this reason. What reason? He's referring to what he's just said in chapter 2, which is essentially about what God has done for us in Jesus. Jesus has dealt with our sin so we can be reconciled into a right relationship with God. And Jesus has destroyed the dividing wall that separated the Jews from the non-Jews so that all people can be reconciled to one another. And now all people, Jews and non-Jews, can have access to the very presence of God through faith in Jesus. And God will actually dwell within us By the Holy Spirit. And it's because of this that Paul starts by saying, For this reason, I kneel before the Father. Now the word kneel is referring to prayer. But what is very interesting is that kneeling wasn't a common posture for praying in those days. They would normally pray by standing up, lifting their hands, looking up, and praying out aloud. That's how they normally prayed. So when Paul says that he's kneeling, it's to indicate, firstly, how important this prayer is. Secondly, it's to indicate his reverence before God, that he's kneeling down. And thirdly, it's to show his concern and his love for the Ephesians. Imagine how touched they would be to know that Paul is kneeling down and praying for them. Now, posture in prayer is not important. The Bible doesn't specify the posture we need to adapt when we pray. It doesn't say that you've got to bow your heads and close your eyes and put your hands together. You can pray kneeling, sitting, standing, walking, driving, or even lying down. Posture is not important. You can pray out aloud, or you can pray by thinking. You can pray by yourself, or you can pray with a group of people. Posture is not important. What is important is that you adapt a, adopt a posture that you're comfortable with, and that is beneficial to you. I often find praying while I'm walking or driving to be very helpful. It helps me to remain focused and keep my attention. I personally don't find bowing my heads and closing my eyes and putting my hands together to be very helpful for me. Because I always end up daydreaming. Standing up and, uh, and putting my eyes, looking out and praying is far more beneficial for me personally because it keeps me focused and keeps my attention on what I'm doing. But the posture is not important. What's important is that you find a posture that is beneficial for you. So can I encourage you this week, as you pray, 
Try different postures. Try when you go for a walk, pray. Or try, if you haven't done before, standing up and looking up, looking up to heaven and praying to God. Maybe try even praying out aloud. If no one else is around, <laughs> you can close the door and pray out aloud. But try different things and see what works well for you. So Paul says in verse 14, he goes, For this reason I kneel before the Father. That's who we pray to. We pray to our Father in heaven. From whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That's another way of saying that God is the source. God is the creator of all things in heaven and on earth. And therefore, God has authority over all things, and God is responsible for all things. And this is who we pray to. We pray to the creator of the whole universe. And who is the creator of all things? Your father. Your dad. Now that's convenient. That's who we're praying to. You see, when, because of what God has done for us in Jesus, because of our faith in Jesus, we have become part of God's family. God is our Father. And therefore, prayer is simply talking to your Father. To truly understand the dynamic of prayer, watch a small child who loves their father talking to their father who loves their child. The child doesn't go and write out a speech making sure it's articulated everything correctly, making sure theology is correct. No. The child just chats. Just pours out its heart to its father. And her dad is totally committed to her and totally loves her and wants a relationship with her. Becoming a father has a profound influence on my understanding of Because I now realize that God is committed to me. God loves me. God wants a relationship with me just as I am committed to Naomi and love Naomi and want a relationship with her. Perfect timing. (laughs) But you see how profound that is? That's what it's like. God is a father who just loves you and wants you to chat to him. And Paul essentially prays for two things for the Ephesians. First, he prays in verse 16. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Within the first request, it's made up of two parts that are intimately linked to each other. Firstly, he prays that the Holy Spirit would empower you in your inner being. And secondly, he prays that Christ, that Jesus, would dwell in your hearts. This is the only place in the Bible that speaks about Jesus dwelling in your heart. 
I can remember when I became a Christian, everybody was talking about asking Jesus into your heart. I could never figure this out. Was there a little miniature Jesus living in everyone's heart? Well, of course not. Now, the word heart and the word inner being are synonymous. They are both referring to one's mind, to your will, to your desires, to the control center of your personality. And the Greek word dwell that is used here is referring to a permanent dwelling as opposed to a temporary dwelling. So what Paul is praying is that Jesus would take a permanent residency in your mind, in your will, in your desires. Kind of imagine that your mind has got all these rooms. It's got the room that makes financial decisions. It's got a room that decides what you're going to say. It's got a room that controls your, your sexual desires and so on and so on. And you've got all these rooms. Paul is praying that Jesus would come in and take permanent residency in every single room. That he would rule over every room, every area, every part of your mind and your life. Practically, it means we no longer ask the question, what do I want, what's best for me, but what does Jesus want? I've got some money to spend, Uh, what, what do I want, what will be best for me? No, it's how does Jesus want me to spend this money? What does Jesus want me to say in this situation? How does Jesus want me to act in this situation? A pastor tells a story about how a couple came to him and said that they wanted a divorce. He asked the the guy, what do you think? The guy said, it's just not working. I want a divorce. He asked the girl, what do you think? She said, it's just not working. I want a divorce. He then asked both of them, what does Jesus think? They confessed that neither of them had thought about that. So he said, go and pray and ask Jesus. And they did. And when they came back, he asked the guy, well, what did Jesus say to you? He said, Jesus said, I need to forgive her and work on our marriage. And he looked at her and he said, what did Jesus say to you? She said, Jesus said, I need to forgive him and work on our marriage. That is letting Jesus Rule your heart. That is letting Jesus dwell in your heart. Now, Paul is aware that our real problem is not a lack of knowledge. It's not that we don't know what Jesus wants. It's that we don't have the ability to do what Jesus wants. See, we lack the ability, the power to do what we know is right. And so Paul is praying that the Holy Spirit would empower your inner being, would empower your mind, strengthen you, so that you can act and and think like Jesus. He's not praying that they would receive the Holy Spirit. They already got the Holy Spirit. 
soon as you put your faith in Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit. He's praying that the Holy Spirit that they've already got would strengthen them and empower them to will and to act like Jesus. It's not to have more of the Holy Spirit. It's for the Holy Spirit to have more of you. It's not to have more of Jesus, but for Jesus to have more of you. And Jesus will gladly empower you by His Holy Spirit. He will gladly come and dwell in your heart. But He won't force Himself in. He will wait for you to invite Him to come in. That's why it ends by saying in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's through our faith and through our prayer of asking Jesus to come into every area of our life, come into our hearts and dwell in our hearts, that He will. Secondly, Paul prays, starting in verse 17, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that's the natural outworking of experiencing the the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. The natural outworking of that is that you start to become more and more and more like Jesus. You start to be rooted in love. Your life will be built and established on love. So he says, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of, is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses not. Paul is praying that they would have the ability, the power to comprehend the love of Jesus. That they would know how long it is, how wide it is, how high it is, and how deep it is. This vast love that has no limits, has no ends. And Paul is aware that this is beyond comprehension. He's praying that you would comprehend that which is beyond comprehension. You can never fully comprehend the love of God. It's just too big for us. But Paul is praying that we would know more and more and more of this love. And he's not praying that we will know facts about it, objectively, but that we would know it personally and experientially by the Holy Spirit. You see, when we come to realize how much God has loved us, that He came to us, that He died for us, and when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, we receive that love, we experience that love personally. But also take note that it says, together with all the saints. That's together with all other Christians. It's impossible to truly comprehend the love of God by yourself. You as an individual might be able to comprehend something of the love of God through your own experience of how God has loved you. But in order to fully or or more deeply comprehend how deep that love is, 
We need the shared experiences and the fellow worshipping of other Christians. It takes the whole of the people of God to know the whole of the love of God. Together with all the saints, Jews and non-Jews, men and women, black and white, rich and poor, with all our varied backgrounds and experiences, together exploring and experiencing the depth of the love of God. But why? Why does Paul want us to comprehend this love? What he tells us at the end of verse 19, he says, So that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. To put that very simply, so that you can be completely like Jesus. Holy. Perfect. Now, Paul is aware that there is a lot of room for growth. We need a lot of filling before we reach the measure of all fullness of God. And so he's praying that you would grasp more and more of the love of God because it's the love of God that transforms us. It motivates us to become more and more like Jesus. You see, when I truly grasp and comprehend how much God has loved me, that He loved me so much that He died for me, even though I had not done anything to deserve it. That He forgave me, even though I didn't do anything to deserve it. When I've truly comprehended that, it transforms me. It motivates me. It it has a profound effect upon me and upon the way I see other people. And treat other people. If God has loved me this much, how can I not love others sacrificially, even if they don't deserve it? And that's essentially Paul's prayer. He's praying that we would would experience the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to will and to act like Jesus. He's praying that we would have the ability to grasp and truly comprehend the love of God so that it would transform us to become more and more like Jesus. It's very interesting. He doesn't pray for their health or their happiness or their comfort or their security or their prosperity. He prays for their character. God is more concerned about your character than your comfort. God is more concerned about holiness than your happiness. And then Paul, at the end of this prayer, he just bursts forth into praise. It's like he can't contain himself. It's a kind of crescendo. And we we see in verse 20, he says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. Can you see how the crescendo builds? To him who is able. To him who is able to do what we ask. To him who is able to do what we ask and imagine. 
To Him who is able to do all that we ask and imagine. To Him who is able to do more than all that we ask and imagine. To Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. Wow. And who is it? Who is he talking about? Your dad. That's convenient. Wow. And this is who we talk to in prayer. And he goes on in verse 20. According to his power that is at work in you. God is able by his Holy Spirit to make you more and more and more like Jesus. And then he comes to verse 21 and he says, To Him be the glory. To Him be all the glory, all the praise, all the credit. You see, He was, God first loved us. God came and died for us. And then God gives us His Holy Spirit to empower us to be like Jesus. It's all about God. Therefore, He deserves all the credit. And then Paul ends. He goes, To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That was a great opportunity for you all to come through on the Amen. I'll give you a second go. Then Paul ends in verse 21 by saying, To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. I'm essentially going to pray Paul's prayer for us. Heavenly Father, we come before You You who are the source and the creator of all things. The creator of the whole universe. And yet you are our Father, our Dad. And Father, we come to you and we ask, we pray that you would empower us by your Holy Spirit, strengthen us, enable us, To be able to will and act like Jesus. So that Jesus can take permanent residency in every single room of our mind. That He will rule over every part of our life. And Father, we pray that You would help us by Your Holy Spirit to truly grasp, to truly comprehend that which is way beyond comprehension, the love of Jesus. That we would understand how wide and long and high and deep that love is. That we would know it personally and experientially. That we would know it corporately as a church, fellowshipping together, worshipping together. And Father, we pray that that love, that, that, that comprehension of your love would transform us to become more and more and more like Jesus. 
Bow to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen.